Hello, hello, everybody. This is Elisa Giudici, your host of a Spanish Summit. And today we are going to talk with an amazing woman. Her name is Olivia Siboni. Uh, she is the CEO and co-founder of uh, Seed Tribe Impact Investment. Uh, she was award top 10 UK women entrepreneurs in 2019, uh, wise 100 top women in social business, uh, board member of UCL Fast Forward uh, 2030. And this is not uh, enough. There is more. Deputy Chair Mayor of London's Women uh, in Cleantech. And of course, she is a great supporter of Profit with Purpose Businesses. So welcome, Olivia. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you today. And we really want to know a lot of more about you, what you do, and your point of view on uh, about impact investment. So let's start. <laughs> uh, well, Let's start with uh, something a bit more about, about you. What's your background? How did you start? Um, so I've got a pretty diverse background, I would say, in every sense of the term. I uh, have a Moroccan father, British mother, born in Spain, grew up in France. Um, so I suppose I sort of am a citizen of the world and, and wow. diversity. <laughs> um, and came to the UK um, to come to university over 20 years ago um, and um, realized that London is very much my home as a place for, uh, you know, multicultural uh, people. So I think that's been a really important part in shaping a lot of who I am and how I see the world um, and learning to really sort of embrace different opinions um, and, and diversity of perspectives in, in every single way. And this is particularly interesting in my mind from an impact investment perspective, because I feel very strongly that in order to really address some of the challenges that we are facing and that are growing, we need to look at um, things in a systemic way and actually understand that everything is interconnected rather than working in silos. So I feel very privileged that my uh, mixed background has really sort of built that into my DNA that I can't, I struggle to see the world in any other way than this sort of messy, wonderfully interconnected, interconnected world. And in terms of my career, um, so I, um, I've sort of spanned the whole range. I started in the civil service and then I worked in um, charities um, and then I worked as a chef. <laughs> um, and outside of my chefing time, I actually was mainly in the human resources um, uh, uh, areas. Um, and I then left my career as a chef uh, to work at Goldman Sachs. I was there for seven years as an HR manager um, and then left there in 2012 in order to grow my first startup, Grub Club, which was a food tech platform, uh, which I uh, sold to our American counterpart in 2017 and then came to launch Seed Tribe uh, in 2017. Wow. <laughs> you have a great background. I love it. And I love the word that you use interconnected. I think it, it's really the key 
uh, in, in impact investing. That's absolutely right. Uh, and so um, do you think this word, this uh, background is the key, was the key for you as well to go into the impact investing um, industry or there was something uh, particular, I don't know, an, an episode or something that you think, okay, this is the why for me? Um, I think it's probably a mixture of different things. So I suppose the, the diversity is what enables me to think at a sort of systemic level, uh, not necessarily on a sort of impact perspective, uh, but the specific impacts um, focus, I would say, um, is a mixture of um, my grandparents. My mother grew up on a uh, farm in the north of England and my grandparents uh, just sort of lived and breathed sustainability, regenerative farming. They were, they were farmers um, and it really sort of formed a lot of my childhood. I would spend my summers there and um, just be be in love with the the land and this sort of zero waste uh, attitude that they have and the sort of joy that I would get from being immersed in nature, I think was very, very formative for me. Um, in contrast to that, I actually grew up in Monte Carlo in a very privileged um probably quite super, very superficial world in a way that actually made me feel very, very uncomfortable. Um, and I never knew quite why I didn't fit. I just knew that I wasn't happy there and it just didn't seem right to me. And I think as with all these things, it's once you leave that you have the benefit of um, perspective and that to help you understand all the things that you felt were wrong with uh, the environment in which you grew up in. So I think part of me was actually really, really driven by just realizing that when you are living in a world where money is the end goal, money is the sole measure of your value uh, and purpose in life, um, and everyone sort of bases their entire livelihoods around, around this system, and actually the fact that the vast majority of people there are extremely unhappy made me sort of really realize that a sort of extreme perspective in the same way that the pandemic has really just exacerbated the discomfort of what already is mm. and this sense of just money not being the source for happiness mm. and yet this generally being the way that, you know, on the whole most people sort of see life so I was really really driven by wanting to build an opposite world to what I had grown up in um and maybe have it more akin to the summers that I used to spend in in the farms um and so I guess I always had quite a sort of um social leaning uh perspective I probably went the other sort of extreme um on being probably quite extremist anti uh, <laughs> everything I grew up in until such a time where and then I then I then sort of came back the other way and, and sort of worked at Goldman Sachs for seven years um and and I think after that is when I realized that there's a good happy balance and it's not such a black and white uh, divide between sort of one side and another and that actually there's huge value and actually sort of need for capitalism but you can do it in an ethical way whereby money is absolutely critical as an underpinning to power everything we do but as a platform for the purpose that we are seeking to achieve so then it's quite simply about reframing the the narrative, the narrative rather than yeah. just having you know one choice or another in in opposition to each other 
Absolutely, absolutely. It 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 seems to me, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> it's your life, so. <laughs> but it seems to me that with um, Seed Tribe, you really got this this balance between uh, these two different worlds. I mean, you are still working with investors. We are still working with startups, but you are doing that uh, in a in a very purpose way, in a sustainable way, and helping a lot of uh, startups to grow and investor to understand uh, that that's what I got from you in, in our chat and uh, look into your uh, profile and your other interviews so again maybe I'm wrong you can tell me but I have this feeling that uh, Seed Tribe it's really something that uh, brings this balance uh, to the table and in a way that you can share to the world. Hopefully. I mean, I, I feel like this is where I find that sort of balance, as you say, that sort of intersectionality between the two sides where we can really sort of take the best of both worlds. Um, and I feel, you know, one of, one of my having worked in charity uh, and in government um, and in, you know, the, the sort of whole spectrum of sectors in different ways, um, ultimately, everything needs to have some source of funding in order for it to be paid for. But in the in the third sector, you're basically begging for money on 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 people's doors, and every sort of you know one to three years, you are having to you know find new sources of money, and usually that money comes with a lot of strings attached, a lot of sort of. Um, you know, ring fencing into a particular area that might not be perfectly in line with what you're trying to do. So in the end, I find charities, when I, my experience of them was that it felt very inefficient because you cannot plan for the long term, um, nor can you really sort of be focused enough on delivering your true purpose because you're quite simply a slave to whichever source of new unknown future funding or current funding may may come so at the end of the day we do you know as i say money is you know the most incredible invention and what has enabled us to sort of you know power growth but actually therefore let's embed it into a business model um, and use a use a business to marry profit and purpose so that you can actually embed into your entire model how you make money and then be able to grow from that so that there's no compromise on on one side or another so the more it went and the more I explored every facet of uh, ways of, of working and industries the more I just felt actually this is the perfect balance that we can reach I still think we have a very long way to go in the investment world um, but I feel like startups in particular, impactful startups are such a wonderful starting point because they have the incredible luxury of coming from a starting with a clean slate so they can rewrite the, the rule book to, to design a better future. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you are in contact with a lot of investors, of course, uh, with uh Sea Tribe and uh, um, and the Angel Network as well. So, um, what do you think um, is the problem here? So, do you think there is still confusion about the difference between charity and uh, impact investing? I would say so. Since in the four and a bit years since launching Sea Tribe, I would say that the landscape has significantly changed. And when I first launched it, 
the concept of explaining what impact investment meant or the UN Sustainable Development Goals was just quite interesting. Everyone thought it was philanthropy and people stared at me really blankly when I mentioned UN Sustainable Development Goals. Um, so um, over time, I would say that this has shifted. Again, in this space, we have a very long way to go, but I would say that being a glass half full person, the pandemic I see has been a really helpful catalyst in accelerating the interest in this space because it really has been a magnifying glass to amplify and speed up the existing cracks that we already had in society to the point where it was just no longer possible to ignore them. I think there's a lot of there's a lot we still ignore, but at least the sort of most urgent ones have become impossible to ignore. So I think that, you know, there's a there's a sort of general world shift in perspectives that has meant that this sort of perfect storm meant that both from a sort of government side and a business side, a consumer side, citizen side, um, all of the different elements um, of society have come to the realization that we just need to figure out a way to do it differently. Um, and there's still a lot of change that needs, needs to happen. Um, and there's still a lot of confusion around it, partly because, partly because it still is quite a new space relatively, um, partly because unfortunately, until we can come to some um, more universally agreed way of measuring impact, there is still so much scope for impact washing, greenwashing, et cetera. And when marketing materials are able to, you know, gloss over one, you know, sort of tell these wonderful stories, which are really sort of very, very glossy and, and shallow, um, it's a it's a challenging one because firstly it's very misleading and the investors who believe in it are going to think they're doing the right thing by investing in something which actually is not actually um, particularly helping and could actually be detrimental because coming back to my earlier point on siloed thinking, um, you know this this sort of leads people down one particular direction without thinking of the the interconnected issues all around um or or it can lead to cynicism which you know is not is not uh invalid um and then you have people who believed in it and then have sort of decided that um you know this is just not worth it anymore because it is all just um a front so unfortunately i think there's a lot of um it, challenges in the growth of this space um because we're not clearly agreed on what really is impactful and the sort of frameworks around this. Um, and again, I would say that this is why for me, the impact startup world is just so wonderful because actually you do have a cleaner slate you can start from compared to listed companies where you're sort of retrofitting social and environmental um, elements into existing infrastructure, which, you know, have been were built on a very, very different world with different knowledge of um, circumstances. Um, and they have to deal with that infrastructure. And that is that is hard to manage. Hence, you know, a lot of um, a lot of uh, greenwashing necessarily happens along there as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally agree with that. Um, I mean, this is, I believe, one of the main problems because for many years, uh, especially with corporate, but not just them, um, and with marketing, and as you said, it's quite easy to say, okay, we are green now, we are sustainable, <laughs> but it's not really 
true and it's not really relevant for impact investing on my point of view um, when someone asks me what is impact investing and how do you uh, define it how can you say this company is a company that can be impact investing or not uh, and for me the answer is pretty simple uh, i mean the difference is about company that just do it for charity so have a small budget that used for maybe charity or a small budget that they use to greenwash as you said uh, just make it nicer and greener uh, this is not impact investing um, for me it's pretty clear it must be in the business model so the business model it makes the difference between a company that is in impact and a company that is not. Uh, yeah. And of course, the measurement. But it's a consequence because if you have a business model that is right into impact and um, the main goal is just uh, an impact goal, uh, you must have a KPI or something that show the progress of this goal. So <laughs> it might seem... Too much easier said like that is not that easy, I know. Uh, but for me, that make like draw the line uh, and make the difference between which is impact and which is not impact. Exactly. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I completely agree. It's exactly that gets to the really to the to the real heart of it, where the businesses are making a profit from the positive social and environmental impact that they are having on the world. Um, and I guess what's interesting and and difficult is when this sort of um gray areas come about in terms of where potentially one might have more of a um focus on the social or the environmental without sort of bringing both of them together and there are times when it's not necessarily so important to think of both sides of it you know if you've got a machine that um, is able to um suck oil from the surface of um, polluted waters and then turn it into energy, then you probably don't need to overly think about the social impact because it is a sort of net positive environmental focus. What I would say is when it's interesting is when someone is building a product and the, fo and the way that they portray the business is around, for example, social impact, where they might be employing uh, training and employing women in villages in India in order to build you know, to make handbags or something. Um, and that's when the gray areas come into play. And that's partly where uh, one needs to use one's sort of judgment or decide where one feels wants to have the greatest impact. For me, it's non-negotiable that if you're creating a product, it should actually be made with an environmental focus. So ideally circular economy, you know, anything that sort of turns waste into to a resource. Um, so if two same businesses would come to me with that same example of women creating handbags in India from villages. So on both sides, you know, they're training, uh, you know, women to, you know, build sort of business skills and have their own income, et cetera, et cetera, work in communities so that they can support each other. Wonderful. The, where I would draw the line between accepting a business on seed tribe versus not is if one of them were to say, well, we actually take, we go to the landfills and we take the use the resources from landfill and we give them the the tools you know with either machine or whatever it is to turn those into these same handbags um compared to someone who's just 
using brand new materials because much as the social element is absolutely critical and at the end of the day we only care about planetary boundaries so that as humanity we can thrive uh, on this planet so it is ultimately about people but in my mind the environmental crisis is so urgent that unless we embed environmental frameworks into everything we do we're not going to have a planet for us to be able to thrive on anyway. Um, so that's why for me, it's when it comes to a product, it's a very interesting, fascinating gray area of just trying to think through where the real impact is and then the unintended consequences and, and where that, um, where in that sort of balance they sit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, well, um, about this uh, gray area, <laughs> So um, how an investor can choose and can, can decide, okay, this is a fine line, but it's okay, this is not, and how, it's not easy. What's the key point in your mind that an investor need to have a look when they have a pitch deck or a proposal from a startup or a business? Um. This is what this is why it's very difficult to come up with, um, you know, standardized impact measurement because we realize when we get into the detail of it how incredibly difficult it is to to come up with. I would say, you know, a lot of it is quite simply just using our common sense and following our heart. There's probably just a particular area that people feel more passionate about that they feel they want to influence because ultimately, if you're looking at, you know, how can you compare gender equality versus ocean acidification. They are just completely different areas and one is not better than the other. We need everything to be, to, to, we need everything to, to, to be worked on. So at one level, it's really sort of what resonates with you as an investor. Beyond that, once you've sort of decided which, which sort of area you feel you would like to have the most positive impact in, then it is, you know, there's a lot of looking at the businesses in the same way that you would look at another business. What's the business model like? What are the metrics like, et cetera? Um, what's, the, what's the team like in any other way that you would judge a business? Because the point here is that we are really looking at for-profit profit businesses that use that business model in order to, to address these challenges. So let's not forget about the sort of basics of a business And then again, you know, it probably is judgment, uh, a question of judgment. For me, it's a, it is really around sort of the environmental element of it is non-negotiable. So if there is a social element to it, thinking, which is wonderful, you know, when there's a social element, that's sort of the ideal. But where do they interplay into each other? And what are thinking through what the sort of unintended negative consequences are? So you're really, the reason it's, fascinating and a bit more gray in investing in impact versus not is you have to take exactly the same considerations as you would in any other kind of business. Maybe also I would, I would plea, plea people to um, have a longer term view on their return, because I believe that in the long term, 
they, these businesses would deli- uh, will deliver better returns. However, I do actually also see them as a slower growth, quite simply because we're redesigning these systems and there's a lot of change that needs to happen. So it's interconnected with a bunch of other um, changes that are in the process of happening. So I would urge people to have patience in their investment and not look at the same time frame for a return, even though they should expect this. So, well, um, probably long term uh, or better return. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, profit is uh, it's another uh, huge point when we talk about impact investing, uh, because um, some investor, they just believed uh, that, again, it's similar to charity, so they might have some return, uh, but, you know, maybe not. Uh, so they tend to invest just a small part of their portfolio because of, of this thinking. Uh, do you think it's still uh, true? This is uh, like a meat <laughs> because we, we are coming from the idea of charity and philanthropy um, or it's something that uh, it's still, it, it can be still true? I would say what has to be non-negotiable is that the business itself needs to run a profit because otherwise it's not going to sustain itself. It's not going to survive and it won't live another day to deliver any social or environmental um, uh, uh, value to the world. So at the most basic level, if the numbers of the business don't stack up, no one's going to benefit from this. So let's be, let's be realistic about this. Um, Beyond that, then I think there is, um, you know, ideally you'd probably have a sort of range in, in your portfolio. There are things that will naturally be faster growth um, and, and you know, fast, you know, more ability to sort of have um, impact at global scale as usual, sort of anything that's sort of pure software tech enabled. Um, if, it's, if it's the winner, then it's going to have a lot of possibility to sort of have a worldwide impact at the same time time, of course, that tends to be a lower barrier to entry, and therefore there's a lot more competition. So that investment might be a bit uh, more high risk. So I would say you probably want to have a balance in your portfolio of some that have uh, deeper impact, slower growth, but probably healthier, more sustainable, safe returns over the over the long term, versus some that are your more sort of classic sort of unicorn potential for for high scale and 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 high growth and and to have a balance between those but absolutely for me this is an investment and unless we incentivize everyone to benefit from being part of this system the system's going to break we need to understand that we're human and we have expectations and ambitions and everyone also does need to sort of make sure they're planning for their future financially so there should be for me you absolutely need to look at a return on your investment but you could probably balance it with some areas that might be deeper you know if you're looking to invest in there's a wonderful company so you know for-profit um company called beam where you can crowdsource um uh, crowdfund into supporting homeless people to get hmm. training um and then they after the training then they get a job and then and then they invest back into they pay back into the platform and then you get your return that way you're never going to make much money out of investing into that but there's something particularly wonderful I find about being feeling like there's a sort of 
you know, against all odds, there's a profit model in in investing in homelessness. So there's there's you have the sort of that side of the spectrum versus you know you're going to invest in a in a system that makes you know offshore wind farms more efficient. Uh, that's probably going to be a really really good investment with this very very strong return. And um, it just offers a very different picture to what impact you're having on the world. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a for sure it's a key point for every investors and as you said uh first of all it depends of the feeling of the investors and uh would they prefer to um well to make the money and make good uh there are so many areas that we can improve uh through our impact so it's not an easy choice that's for sure um and um well do you think uh, that that the technologies can um, can improve uh, this uh, or accelerate this uh, this the profit on one side and the impact on the other side. Uh, what do you think of the uh, utilization of all these new technologies, blockchain, AI, and all these things? I mean, they're, they're tools, and they can be used for for different uh, <laughs> different purposes um, and therefore the tools in themselves are neither you know good nor evil um, but as a result therefore that then if they are used properly for me they are just absolute catalysts to being able to revolutionize the way in which we um, address some of these challenges in the world whether you're looking at sort of you know, I love these these nanorobots in the agri-tech space that use AI and under, you know, they'll go around and individually measure the sort of health of every single plant and then give them exactly the amount of nutrients that they need, um, you know, one at a time and, and sort of learning from the patterns and then just becoming more and more effective as they, as they go. And I just find that absolutely incredible. Suddenly you're enabling biodiversity because you no longer need to have monocrops and you're really just find you're not mass spraying with just one type of um, uh, uh, nutrient into the soil, which sort of kills everything else. So these kinds of tools are incredible. And when you're looking at blockchain, I find the supply chain element of blockchain is just absolutely fascinating, both from an environmental and a social perspective. You can actually just track the whole journey of where, you know, a garment or, or some or food comes from and actually just both socially and environmentally have a more transparent supply chain, but also actually use that technology to, you know, um, give fairer pay to the people at source who are usually the ones who are the invisible people. So for me, they're, you know, they're extremely exciting and they give us the ability to solve problems in a way that was never possible before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, technology uh, are really doing great job in many ways. And of course, again, as you said, it's not good, no evil, but it really depends how to use it. And that's uh, another huge point. I think we can discuss about that for hours, <laughs> probably. <Indeed>. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, well, unfortunately, today we have limited time, but maybe next time it could be a topic for another uh, nice chat with you. <laughs> and uh, I love well, that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, how do you see uh, the future of impact investing, the future of this industry? Um, 
do you see more investors joining, more uh, entrepreneurs, uh, more greenwashers? <laughs> But how do you see the good and the bad? <laughs> the good and the bad. I would say that um, I think if I'm looking at if I'm looking at the, the purpose of this, which is for me, how do you use business in order to um, solve the world? world's greatest social environmental challenges, I think we need to come at it from all sides. And that is both existing big businesses and new businesses. So for the purpose of this conversation, I think, you know, impact investing for me is sort of at that startup level, because mainly that's, you know, they started with this new world vision that actually you can use business as a, as a force for good. At the same time, the reason I bring big businesses, and that's probably more an ESG perspective, is I think there's a lot of possibility to, if we really just look at, let's look at the future, let's not look at who did who made errors in the past and just get a move on and just get there as quickly as possible. I think there's a huge potential for sort of collaboration to happen, which means it probably adds to the sort of messy gray areas in the middle where you're sort of, you know, what kind of companies are the startups going to be able to partner with in order to accelerate the positive change. But um, so I think for me, there's sort of, there's, um, we need to take into account the messiness. I think there's a huge need for just constant honesty and transparency about the fact, and this is what would help, you know, reduce the amount of greenwashing, which is quite simply that we live in an imperfect world, which is, not only imperfect now, but we also, it's, it's ever changing and increasingly unpredictable. Therefore, we just, we can have our best guess at what's going to happen next and what the priorities are, but something new and unexpected is going to happen, hit us before long, and we're going to have to sort of adapt accordingly. So for me, it's about the sort of the way in which we build our businesses and we communicate, which is just, we're constantly incrementally improving and we're not none of us are perfect but actually you know this is what we have achieved this is where the gaps are and you know we're working towards it and here's a bunch of unknowns that we actually are just going to have to sort of deal with um as we go so i'm a really really big fan of just doing something being as you know honest and transparent as possible about it and and building in flexibility so that you can keep adapting and changing according to new technologies new evolutions etc and that's a mixture of you know world events you know hopefully for me what's a really important catalyst is regulatory change because ultimately you know now that companies are increasingly being taxed for carbon suddenly there's an increasingly growing market for you know carbon um Uh, carbon capturing uh, machines, you know, any sort of carbon positive um, company. So the more we sort of create, you know, we rely on government to create the safety net at the bottom line so that people will not fall below this. And if we can bring, yeah. you know, environmental and social needs into these the, the safety net below which companies are not allowed to go, then actually that hugely stimulates the market and means that it's just, it's non-negotiable. So I think we sort of partly need to rely on, um, you know, your audience of passionate people who care about making a, a difference and sort of going above and beyond the call of duty. I and mean, that's wonderful. And that's what really sort of helps create innovation um, and, and drive. 
And then when we see this, um, you know, when, when the world sees these possibilities that inspires people to realize that these solutions can happen, and then the sort of infrastructure um, policy systemic change starts happening in order to, to help it grow. So I think we're, we're at the beginning of the journey, but this is why it's so exciting, because this is an opportunity to shape it and accelerate it and, and propel it and inspire the world for what can, you know, know how we can shape business in a positive way oh yeah well i mean it's uh i think it's a great time uh and uh it's a great place uh <laughs> to be here now talking about impact investing and how to uh make it better make it greater so absolutely absolutely that that's uh well that's the reason why we are here today talking about exactly. investing and uh, and push it, this grow uh, for the future. And uh, and I believe that, um, I mean, Seed Tribe, it's a great tool uh, in order to do that. Uh, so how we can get more involved in, in Seed Tribe uh, and be part of this revolution? <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. Um, so essentially, Seed Tribe is a, is a matchmaking platform um, and it looks to democratize access to um, angel investors for entrepreneurs and specifically looking at impactful businesses. So essentially, it is for um, you know qualified angel investors because, of course, investing in startups is is high risk um and and does involve a level of sort of understanding of of um you know of course the excitement of the opportunities but also the 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 risks involved so i'm not going to pretend that it's sort of easy investments but at the same time they are what i find the most exciting businesses that are really marrying profit and and purpose so investors can register on the platform um self-certify as, as high net worth or sophisticated investors. So they qualify as angel investors um, and then browse businesses on the platform um, and connect directly with them. And then uh, and then we, we essentially connect them so that they can have these discussions with the entrepreneurs and then decide which businesses uh, inspire the most to, to invest in and hopefully change the world. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you very much. And uh, and also how we can get in touch uh, with you, how the audience can get in touch with you if you want to maybe have a yeah, chat or cooperate. Mm, so, so probably the e easiest is... Um, finding me via LinkedIn. So, or, you know, yeah. either contact me directly through the website, seedstribe.com, or, or just find me on LinkedIn, Olivia Sibini. Um, and I'm pretty responsive on LinkedIn as well. So any of those two methods, I, uh, I shall uh, strive to get back to people as soon as possible. Yeah, so we will, uh, well, we, we are going to share right now your LinkedIn uh, link in the chat. So everybody okay. can, uh, can join you and make contact with you uh, as well. So... Well, Olivia, it's been a pleasure. Uh, it was great to chat with you. You uh, gave us a lot of great insight and uh, I can just thank you very, very much to be uh, to give your time uh, and stay with us today. Oh, well, thank I really you enjoyed so much, chat. Olivia. Thank you for having <laughs> me. That was really interesting. Thanks, Elisa. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Hey, I really hope you enjoyed this interview. If you did, go to newsletter.impactintech.org and subscribe to our updates and videos. Spread the voice of Impact in Tech, be part of the community. Let's make an impact together every day as we build up the Impact Nation. Mm -hmm.